Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. International News Review. Welcome back to the show. Time to get into our international news review with Steve Oaken, senior advisor at McClarty Associates. Good morning, Steve. You know, good morning. And, you know, I'm not in the studio, so I imagine for Coronation Week, Neil's wearing his crown and he has a scepter and is ready to go. <laughs> Something like that. Yes, I am impaling myself with spears <laughs> on a daily basis to the countdown. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Speaking of people impaling themselves this week, uh, some people were starting again getting ready to impale themselves over the thought of buying property in Singapore. Mm. Nice segue, huh? Uh, we had a uh, we had a, a, a hike, a huge Huge hike in some categories, Steve, uh, for the the buyer's tax. Um, so first off, what's your take? What's your take overall on this as a cooling measure? Well, for the ten percent of the property market, it's going to impact. It'll probably have a little bit of an impact, but of course, it doesn't touch ninety percent of the real estate property market, and it doesn't touch the rental market at all. So, look, property in Singapore is going to remain hot for just about everybody, uh, and those who can afford that 60% levy are still going to be paying their hundreds of millions of dollars for, for houses. And will it have any knock-on effects on things like rental, which we've discussed many times? I was just looking in today's Straits Times, guys, and Singapore has now unseated New York as the city with the strongest rental growth globally. In fact, and this floored me, five-room HDB flats, yeah. HDB flats right. in Ang Kill and Cantonment Road are now scoring rents of over $6,000 a month. Oh, $6,000 a month oh. now, Steve, for public housing. Are we going to have any positive knock-on effects for these markets at all? Not, not from this. You may have some relief coming because of the market, which we can talk about in a minute. Well, the, the vice president of Orange Tea, you know, one of the real realty companies yeah. here, said the move could this move on on jacking up the the stamp duty could be in, in anticipation of more Chinese buyers who make up the bulk of these foreign luxury home purchases in the coming months. That more are coming, prices may slow a little bit, but they're going to keep elevated because the super rich are going to continue to buy, and that in a few months. Demand's going to rebound. Well, let yeah. me just follow up with the reader's comment here saying, I guess ABSD, not my concern, Steve, as I'm not so rich to buy another house. Mm. One HDB is good enough for me. Is that not the point, Steve? From a political standpoint, you know, HDB owners uh, vote and renters do not vote. And also, as you say, the rich are, are being dealt with in a separate market. Would the average Singaporean not be happy with this? Well, no, the average Singaporean could be happy with this because it won't impact them, right? This doesn't apply to Singaporeans. It doesn't apply to those who are permanent residents. It only applies to a very small slice but, it does, of but, the real but, estate market. But, Steve, doesn't, I thought it applied for, for second and third it homes. It does. Many Singaporeans buy second yeah. homes as investors. For locals, right? It's, it, 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 doesn't, it, it doesn't go up to 60% well, for those second yes. homes and third homes. But, yeah, yeah, look, if you can afford a second and third home, then you are not, I don't think, your average Singaporean. Mm. So this isn't going to impact those who are just getting into the market for the first time. And, and, and in terms back to Neil's point on the rental market, the question is, and I interviewed the uh, Jacqueline Poe, the, the managing director for, for EDB at a, at a conference this week, and I asked her directly about rents. And, you know, she said, 
look, rents are going to go up. Singapore is is more popular, but you're going to see a lot more supply coming online because so much was held up during COVID. And because we're going to be getting more online, you should see some relief on rental increases. But again, this has nothing to do with that. This is this is aimed at those really high net worth buyers coming in predominantly from China. We all we we all have used that and I have used that argument as well. There's more stuff coming online because of post-COVID construction and all that. But the reality is, first of all, rents are super high right now. They're not going to go down anytime soon. It's going to take another two or three rental cycles, exactly. right? Two but, years, four years for them to really come down. But as, even then, as you and I discussed in the week, okay, these new homes get filled. That doesn't necessarily mean the rent will drop. It will right. just maintain that the high level I'm guessing it's already at, yeah. which just adds to the problem. It doesn't yeah. really detract from it. Yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm not quite sure if that's really going to make a difference. Look, even at the high end, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. If you're paying twenty or thirty or forty million dollars for a house in Sentosa Cove or a good class bungalow somewhere, if you're in that category, when you're you know fifty million, hundred, whatever it is, mm. dozens of millions of dollars, you're you're buying here for a reason. Yeah, and that is to get in on this property market, to have a safe haven, to park your money, whatever that is. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's going to have a massive effect. And it's such a small. It's only what seven percent of the of the foreign market anyway in terms of housing purchases. It's a very small number, percentage wise, right? Of yeah, it's, it's, it's ten. It's ten percent. Is it ten? Okay, ten percent of the private property. So yeah, it's not going to be huge. Okay, Steve, let's let's do move on. Uh, Zelensky and she now Zelensky of Ukraine called finally called President Xi of China. She has not talked to him, has not called him, has not done anything, even though they're huge trading partners for grain and other things. Um, so how did this go and what does it mean? Well, look, you could take a glass half full or glass half empty. I'm normally a glass half full kind of person, but I'm going to be a glass half empty on this one. I mean, he, he had to call. He hadn't called him yet since Russia uh, invade, invaded. And, you know, you can ask why uh, did he call now? And, you know, he's trying to get better relations with the EU because relations with the U.S., with China, are, are getting worse. And this call comes right on the heels of China's ambassador to France, who inflamed European opinion, public opinion by questioning the sovereignty of former Soviet states. And he had said, well, these states really are they really legitimate international states because they broke away uh, from the Soviet Union. And so this led to a huge backlash in Europe. Maybe this is why she all of a sudden decides to call. Uh, so really unclear. She didn't even mention the word Russia during the call. So is it really going to make any difference? I'll, look, I'll go with the White House said after the meeting. And the White House said it's better that they talked. We're glad to see that they did talk. But is it going to make a difference? Doesn't seem so right now. Well, just to add to that, Steve, I was reading that since Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, she has claimed China's neutrality, obviously. But he's spoken with Putin five times. He's met him twice in person without once picking up the phone to call Zelensky until this call this week. Yeah, Not once, despite, as Glenn mentioned, their long-term strategic partnership in various trade areas. So it it seems like a very one-sided relationship still. Is that likely to change? Not yet. We haven't seen it. When when the the government of China uh, put out its notes on the meeting, 
Um, and the Chinese foreign ministry didn't mention Russia at all in the call. All, all that Xi said in this readout were general terms about the need to resolve the crisis politically, that there needed to be in-depth communications with all parties. So that's what he's saying to Zelensky. But as you point out, that's not what he says to Putin. So it really is not going to make a difference yet as to as to what's going to happen. Let's look. We all we know this this counteroffensive from Ukraine is coming. Um, how is that going to change the war? And one thing, if you want to get you know kind of chilling in this, is that did he maybe decided to to call because he doesn't want to see Putin go nuclear? And and the readout of the call from China was that dialogue and negotiation are the only way out, and there are no winners in a nuclear war. Mm. So is that a message to Putin as part of this call? So, you know, a little bit frightening and, and, and nothing constructive yet, but better that they talked than it didn't talk. Yeah, there is an envoy. The Chinese envoy is going to apparently be dispatched to Ukraine. The former, I believe the former ambassador to Russia, if I'm not mistaken from the news reports I read, is going to be going to Ukraine. So we will see uh, what comes out of that. But interesting that she would have actually actually been in the neighborhood in Moscow, uh, you know, talking to Putin and not bothered to drop by and see uh, President Zelensky. So, OK, we'll follow that one. Uh, next one. Top Glove, one of the biggest PPE suppliers in Malaysia, is now back in the good graces of the American government after some uh, alleged uh, human rights and worker abuses. Um, how big of a deal is this, Steve? Well, look, this should is a big deal to Top Glove. They should have never been in this position to begin with. The, the United States government, through U.S. Customs and Border Protection, sanctioned uh, smart glove that, that a part of top, top, top glove, glove yep. but no smart gloves that the, the, yeah, the, the, the entity that, that imports to the u.s in that it, it had forced labor at its production facilities and so what did the company have to do it took them 17 months but they have finally addressed those concerns and and this is what happens when you have forced labor in your in your workforce or in your supply chain you should not be having migrant workers paying exorbitant recruitment fees that the company should be paying that's putting these migrant workers into basically in you know indentured servitude there's awful living conditions in these dormitories uh, there's no way to for them to raise concerns to the management and so what happens is when foreign workers get abused and the united states government finds out about it you're not going to be able to export to the united states until you clear this up. Mm. Top Glove is doing the right thing now, presumably. They should have been doing it 17 months ago. This is going to cost them hundreds of millions of dollars because they lost the chance to IPO during this process of 17 months. Right. And other companies better wake up and, yeah. and do the right thing until being forced to do the right thing. Mm. But that's the contradiction or paradox, isn't it, Steve? That it's cost them hundreds of millions of dollars and therefore other companies should do the right thing. But will they look at Top Glove or Smart Glove and see this has cost them hundreds of millions mm. of dollars as long as the culture remains where if we close one eye, we get away with it until someone yeah. like U.S. Customs intervenes. In an ideal world, yes, this will, be, this will set a precedent. But in reality, companies concerned with the bottom line how much of a difference will this make? In other words, does it always have to be the stick if there's never mm. going to be a carrot? Mm. Well, you would hope you don't need a stick to do the right thing and, and for companies to do the right thing. But what, what's happening now is that the 
if the forced labor is occurring by companies in Malaysia, in Indonesia, in Thailand, and U.S. companies, European companies, Singaporean companies are not going to be able to source from those companies because they can't export to the U.S. or the EU or right. because there's going to be customer boycotts. So you want governments enforcing, but you want the customers of those companies in, in areas where, where migrant workers are prevalent, like Malaysia, mm. to be asking questions. Mm. You want you want the customers to be doing raising these types of concerns. So, Neil, I think we are on the right track. Um, I do think it's getting better for migrant workers. I do know the Malaysian government. You see that they are taking this more seriously now. And companies right. are going to have to take it more seriously now. So I'm going to go glass half full on this one, okay. on this story. Fair enough. All right, Steve, let's move on to a USA wrap. We're going to do a little bit of a lightning round here because we got a bunch of stuff to get through in a short amount, short-ish amount of time. Uh, first of all, Joe Biden finally announces by video, not a big uh, press event, that he is going to, in fact, run for president. Is there a significance there by the fact that they're kind of keeping him yes. off, of the, <laughs> off of the mainstream uh, yes. airwaves uh, or, or out of a big stadium, that sort of thing? Well, the American people are clamoring for a Biden-Trump rematch. People are salivating to get the chance to watch a replay of last year's, <laughs> of the last presidential election. There's so much excitement this, this and buzzing. Be, this is going to be like a wheelchair race, I think. <laughs> There's so much excitement and buzz about this. No, no I don't like, a campaign video is, no, don't read anything into that. Because okay. you, want, you want to control that message. You want to get it out to as many people as possible. You then follow it up with a rally. I think Donald Trump announced Mm. on video Joe Biden and that so don't the video is not not okay. important what All was right. in the video was important okay um uh and and you can see where Joe Biden is going to go with the messaging on his campaign mm. so the 3 minute contents were important but again there's just they get the, the, you ask the american public do you want to see a Biden Trump rematch and the answer is a resounding and deafening no <laughs> now let's stick with that getting away from the, this idea of a wwe smackdown between two geriatrics there are left leaning folks commentators pundits politicians who are concerned steve aren't they this guy is going to turn 86 years old if he reaches that second term and it's this is interesting glenn it's not necessarily about health or competency because as we know roosevelt was practically dying yeah. towards the end of the second world war you can carry a lame president it's the age steve the age may possibly put off swing voters there's no getting away from this what is your thought on it uh, joe biden's age is going to to give cause for concern not only for swing voters neil but democratic voters but Donald Trump's second term is going to give more concern to those swing voters and complete and utter panic amongst Democrats. So you have to judge this race yeah. and Joe Biden's age in context. And Joe Biden says, like, don't judge me against the almighty. Judge me against who I'm running against. And if Trump is the nominee, and it's way early, but certainly you'd have to think Trump is going to be the nominee. Then, then Biden vis-a-vis -vis Trump can win. If it's Biden vis-a-vis -vis anybody who was born, you know, in the 1950s and beyond, mm -hmm. that, that, let alone the 60s or 70s, that's going to be a different story. All right. We will 
follow that. Obviously, there's a whole bunch, whole bunch of other things going on behind that scene uh, on the Republican side, too. And we will, as soon as the next Republican uh, jumps into the race, we'll talk about them, too. Uh, let's go to uh, the Tucker Lemon double play this week. Uh, Tucker Carlson of Fox News was uh, unceremoniously booted. Don Lemon from CNN was booted as well. Two lightning rod uh, journalists, uh, program hosts gone, and Tucker, really the the money spinning machine for Fox News. Uh, were you surprised? I mean, yes and no, and I'm certainly more surprised about about uh, Tucker than than Don Lemon. But the, look, the reality was from everything you read, these two were not good people to work with for their employees, uh, for their for their coworkers, and for their bosses. And when you're not a good person. Uh, in how you treat people, um, and you have disdain for those who you're working with, and it seemed that Don Lemon had disdain for his his co-host in the morning. Tucker Carlson had disdain for everybody. Um, used you know the c word, which is about as, as as vile an insult as you can have against you know women who were guests, women who he worked with, and, and, manage, and management to, apparently as well. Yeah, there were a few and managers. That's going to get you fired. So <laughs> yeah. you know, you, so you can make hundreds of millions of dollars as, uh, for for your employer as as Tucker Carlson did, mm. um, and at least until now. No one is bigger there than their employer. Tucker Carlson is going to to see if that if he is the exception to that rule. But I'm wondering, Steve, and it may be because I'm obsessed with the TV series Succession yeah. at the moment, like everybody <laughs> is. You know, life imitating yeah. art once more. Yeah. But on a broader point, Steve, this may also feel like this is the beginning of the waning power of cable news. It hmm. doesn't have the reach. I know that Fox is bigger than CNN. I know it still has a big reach with a certain kind of voter. But more broadly, the power of cable news is on the wane, Steve. What do you think on that? Well, the power of Tucker Carlson was not on the wane. Yeah, and, and, and you yeah. could see this illustrated when Tucker Carlson went to the, those in the Republican Party who were, who were running or thinking of running for president and asked them a question about Russia and Ukraine because Tucker Carlson is notoriously, you know, I'll say pro-Putin. Um, he, is, he is against any U.S. involvement in, in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And he sends a letter out, and everybody, right, almost everybody, including Ron DeSantis, parrots, Trump, uh, parrots Tucker's line. He can set policy. He can set what happens mm. in the world. He is now how much of it was Tucker Carlson? How much of it was Fox? How much of it right. was them together? We're going to have to find out. But he is very powerful in certain ways to set the global agenda. Deal. Okay. Well, let me move on to someone who shares my birth town. I only found this out this morning oh, on the MRT. Ah. Jerry Springer yeah. was born in high, uh, the Highgate tube station during an air raid right. in World War II, and yeah. I was born opposite Highgate Cemetery, <laughs> where Karl Marx is buried. <laughs> Completely incidental. So tell yeah. us about the cultural impact of my hometown friend, Jerry, Jerry Springer, who unfortunately passed away this week. Well, look, this was the, the person who led, uh, who, who started the beginning of the just debasement of people to get onto television. Mm. And what he did was he created a show, be, and, and he, was, well, he was a serious guy. He was 
one of the youngest mayors, if not ever, the youngest mayor of Cincinnati. Uh, and, and, and he did that at the age of 27. He was a lawyer. He was a political operative for Robert F. Kennedy. He was one of the most popular anchors in Cincinnati. And then he gets his own television daytime talk show, gets no ratings. And he says, well, you know what? If we can put on people who will fight with one another, like, you yeah. know, saying, you're my baby daddy, no, you're my baby daddy, or why did you leave me, and surprising people, to the point that he needed bouncers mm. on the set, because mm. the guests often erupted into actual physical fistfights, that got huge ratings. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, he went from a failed talk show to having more ratings at, at some points than Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. And people follow Jerry Springer, and it's led to what we have in, 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 in our society today. I don't know if he was – you could blame it all on him, but I'll blame part of it. Well, I think you can blame a lot of it on – because we even knew it at the time. And this was in the 1990s for those of our Singaporean friends. I'm quite sure that show did not make it here. I asked a couple of my Singapore friends here, and they're like, no, I never heard of Jerry Springer show. But in the U.S., it was massive. It was afternoon, kind of daytime afternoon. And like you said, he would have f- families come on that were feuding, or he would do – reveals of someone whose parentage was by somebody else and he would actually have the you know the the parents in question come i mean it was just it was unreal and it was all really the lowest element of society and people did not people it was like the train wreck or the car wreck you can't drive by and not look at yeah you know everybody yeah. hated it but you could not not watch it and i just have to go on, go on, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah. i was just going to add briefly so i just had briefly it was huge in the uk oh, was in it? europe okay. in australia new yep. zealand the, you cannot underestimate the cultural footprint rightly or wrongly yeah. of that show yeah. go on steve yeah, no, it, it, and two, the way it was described by two senators at the time, Senate, a Republican, Dan Coates, and a, a Democrat, Joe Lieberman, they denounced the show as the closest thing to pornography on broadcast television. <laughs> <laughs> Except about now, today, it's, 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 it's not the closest. Everything's the closest it, thing it would, it to would, pornography on television and cable and YouTube yeah. and everything else. It would seem quaint by comparison to I would say to that. that. It would be almost tame yeah, now, sadly. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Hey, Steve, we got to let it go there. But thank you very much. We will look forward to having you back in the studio next week with your shirt and pants and everything on. Uh, let's hope. Um, and uh, in the meantime, have a great week. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.